Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Bibles, you can go with me to Matthew chapter 11 as we jump into God's word. I want to share something that I think uh, will help us not only to encourage you, but I think it'll help us to understand more clearly the way that God works and the way that God speaks. That's my goal, to help us to understand what God would have to say to us today. How many would just be honest enough to say, I need to hear God's voice today? Amen. Amen. Maybe you're faced with a decision ahead of you, whether it's a decision about your future, a decision about your education, decision about work um, or your uh, finances. Maybe it's a decision about a date or a spouse Or maybe just something as simple as to say, I'm doing my best to lead my family or to work out my calling. And I sure would love to hear God's voice today. I believe that as we open up God's word, that we can hear his voice speaking clearly to our every situation. Because always remember this, where God's word is missing, God's voice is also missing. But today, as we open up God's word, I believe he's going to speak to us in every situation that is represented. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I find myself struggling with uh, frequently in my relationship with God is what seems to be um, a language barrier. I was remembering this week of um, being a college student myself, and uh, when I was in college, I took a semester uh, to study abroad and continue my education in a place called Košice, Slovakia, which if you're, it's kind of as, about as far east you can go in the European Union before you get to Russia and Ukraine. We were in this city um, helping to teach English and helping to start a youth ministry. And me and some people were there. And, um, you know, it's, it's confusing many times to be in a new culture. It's also confusing to be in a new church sometimes, but you put the two together and it can be really confusing. Anybody who's gone to church overseas that doesn't speak the language knows how um, confusing it might be to be in a new place, figuring out a new culture um, with a new language, especially in the church. And so I remember one Sunday morning, we were there gathered together. I was doing my best to put on a smile and act like I kind of had a sense for what was going on. And uh, we were there in a moment of worship and the team, in a really, it was really sincere. You could tell they all had like the, you know, the, the furrowed brow, that's what that's called. And they kind of were leaning into this moment of worship. And they were singing that old song. You know, the one that goes, holy, holy are you, Lord God. They were singing that song. And so um, the problem about that was in Slovak, the word for holy is sveti. Which if you're thinking, wow, that sounds a lot like the English word sweaty, you would be right. And that's what was hilarious to us is because it sounded like a bunch of people were on stage singing about how sweaty God is. And so instead of laughing, because it is inappropriate sometimes to laugh in a sincere moment of worship like that, um, we had decided it would be better for us to participate in English. And so instead of laughing, we began to sing the English version of that song. It was the wrong decision in hindsight, but because what we didn't know is that the word holy in Slovak means naked. (laughs) So on one side of the room, you have the sweaty people. On the other side, you have the naked people. One's laughing at the other. The other's shocked that they would even say that word in church. And so at that point, no matter how good a worship leader you are or how good a preacher you are, you've lost the room. That's it. And we just had, had to give up. But this is what I think many times it's like when I try and hear God's voice, because it seems like there is a translation issue. 
that it's, of course, not God's problem. It's our problem. And because of sin, we oftentimes hear differently the things that God would maybe trying to speak to us in our life. For example, God could be trying to speak to us in the language of grace, but we hear the language of effort. God could be trying to speak to us the language of relationship, but we hear the language of legalism. God could be trying to speak to us in the language of faith, but we could be hearing him in the language of certainty. And this is a translation problem that many of us have when we are trying to hear God's voice. I mean, haven't you noticed how misunderstood Jesus was in the Gospels? It seemed like everywhere Jesus would go, he was either rejected or misunderstood. And many times when he would try and explain himself, people would leave more confused. Why is this the case? Because our understanding is different than God's understanding. And I want to help us today to reclaim some ground on understanding the way that God speaks to us. And I want to preach to us from this title, God's Grammar. God's Grammar. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 2 the Bible says, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, that is his preaching, his miracles, signs, and wonders, when he heard about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. In verse six, many scholars call this the last beatitude. He said, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. God's grammar. I can remember growing up, going over to a friend's house and they had a uh, piece of art hanging up um, on the wall of their restroom. And uh, the, the piece of art was laid out and it said this. It said, let's eat grandma. And then underneath it, it said, let's eat grandma. And then underneath that, it said, commas save lives. Now, I know that um, grammar jokes are totally nerdy. So if you enjoy that one, there's no shame in that. But I want to uh, help us today to maybe take us back to the classroom of faith. And maybe since it's college Sunday, uh, to help get us back to school a little bit and understand God's grammar, in the hope that we could understand what it is that God would be trying to say to us today in our situations as individuals, families, and as the church, the people of God. God's grammar. Two thoughts for you today. Here's the first one. Don't put a question mark where God puts an exclamation point. Don't put a question mark where God puts an exclamation point. Verse two says, when John heard, now this John is John the Baptist, who I would describe as an exclamation point man. His life tracing through the gospels was defined by moments of certainty, by moments of excitement, by very definitive moments that were uh, both exciting and promising. I mean, Luke chapter one, the Bible says that an angel had prophesied his birth. I don't know how your birth announcement came, but that is the best gender reveal there ever was when an angel shows up and says, there's a baby about to be born. The same chapter says that John the Baptist, when he was still a fetus in his mother's womb, he rejoiced and left within her when he heard the news of Jesus's birth. 
moments of excitement and promise. When John was born, he had a ministry that he, because of his conviction to the message of repentance, he lived his life out in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. He was edgy. This guy had some grit about him. He was probably um, a little bit rough around the edges, kind of like living his life out in the, the wilderness like the Marlboro Man. He, he had some, some, some grit about him, some tenacity about him. In fact, if, if he had a, a Twitter today, he would probably be canceled because this man, his message was calling people broods of vipers. He was calling out the message of repentance. He was kind of an intense dude, and he spent his ministry preaching with exclamation points. And in fact, when he announces Jesus, John chapter 1 and verse 29, Jesus steps on the scene, and in my Bible, the grand is even there. It says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, exclamation point. Now think about this. All of these moments of promise and exclamation points and the momentum that John the Baptist had experienced suddenly turn to a question mark almost overnight. And here in verse three, he asks Jesus, are you the one that we're expecting or should we look for somebody else? In other words, he's saying, is this really how it's going to go down? Is this the way it's going to happen? Is this, is it always going to be like this? Because I thought you would. Have you ever thought that God would? You ever thought that God was going to show up that way or God was going to say that thing or God was going to intervene and then he didn't? You thought, I thought, what, I thought God would. I thought God would. This is what happened with John the Baptist. Moments of exclamation points that suddenly turned to question marks. And the first thing that I think of when I read this verse is what happened to all the exclamation points? Because that's a big question. What happened to all the exclamation points? I think the answer is hinged on two words. It happens in verse two, the verse preceding. Two words, it says, when John heard in prison. Two words in prison, I think, is what created the question. I think John found himself in a moment that he maybe didn't expect, and suddenly all of his exclamation points turned to question marks. I like how one person said it, that a question mark is just an exclamation point that's been punched in the gut and doubled over. Life has a way of doing that to us, doesn't it? Life has a way of taking what seems so certain at one point in time and now becomes so uncertain. Songs that we can sing with confidence suddenly become struggles. Our great declarations become doubts. And when life gets difficult, we're all plagued by questions. Something like, God is good, or is he? God is with me, or is he? God is for me, or is he? I can trust in God, or can I? See, these great moments of exclamation points, life has a way of turning exclamation points into question marks. And this is what I think went wrong for John, because he was in prison, but there he was doubting the thing he knew all along. His whole life defined, I mean, this guy was at Jesus's baptism, and there in Matthew chapter three, Jesus is baptized. The sky opens up. A voice from heaven falls down and says, this is my son. 
And now John in prison is questioning, are you really the one? Are you the one that we've been waiting for, hoping for, expecting, or should we look for somebody else? Can I really trust Jesus? Can I really believe his word? Because I didn't think it was gonna end up like this, but John needed to learn what we all need to learn today. Don't put a question mark where God puts an exclamation point. Said another way, don't question in the dark what God has spoken in the light. This is just a lesson about God's grammar, and this is where we have to allow ourselves to be challenged today, because like John, many times when life doesn't go the way that we want, we can end up questioning God's character, questioning his identity. The problem with living that way is if you only relate to God based on what he can do for you instead of who he is, you will always live at the level of your disappointments. We can't just look to God for what he can do for us. God is not just an addition to my life, not just trying to make it better when everything else goes awry. I relate to God on who he is because of what he has spoken. And said another way, do you worship God today because he's useful to you or because he's beautiful to you? And this is the way that we have to allow ourselves to be challenged by God's Grammar, because this is where John found himself there in a prison cell asking of God. He, he was in what I would call a WTH moment with God. Where's the help? Now you thought I was going to say a different WTH. That's okay. Probably that too. I know you're all too spiritual to admit that you've had those moments, but all of us have probably had a couple moments with God where we're going, God, where's the help? Or what the, anyway, so God is beginning to speak and there's John saying, where's the help? I'm here in prison and I thought you would show up by now. Like if we're really honest, there are things in your life today that you are questioning, wondering, understanding, trying to figure out, is this really what God has promised? Because where I'm at today doesn't match up with the life that I thought I was going to live. This is where we have to decide, is this God's grammar or mine? Look at what Jesus responds. John sends word to Jesus and says, are you really the one? And Jesus responds to him in verse four. He says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Jesus said, tell John if he's going to question what I'm doing, then tell him I'm doing everything that I said I was going to do. Tell him I'm still working. Tell him my kingdom is still being built. My work is still being accomplished. Hear me today, friend. Circumstances changed, but our God never changes. Even though life is inconsistent, our God is always consistent. And even in the moment of difficulty where it feels like God is inactive, he is still working. God is still working in prison. God is still working in divorce. God is still working in debt. God is still working in rehab. God is still working in brokenness. God is still working in moments where we feel like 
We don't know where this is going to take us. God, I thought it was going to be different, but God is still working. He's working in hot water. He's working in trouble. Circumstances don't change our God. He is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his word, and he will make good on every promise. Jesus says, if you're going to question what I'm doing, tell him I'm doing everything I said I was going to do. But you know what's amazing to me? Because it's not just what Jesus said. It's what Jesus didn't say. And here in this verse, there is a really key omission that it's easy to read and miss the significance of what Jesus is saying. Because Jesus is saying, really reiterating his mission. Luke chapter four, Jesus announces his mission. And really what it is, is when Jesus steps on the scene, he's fulfilling a prophecy spoken in Isaiah chapter 61. And he says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. And he goes through the things of why he came to earth. But it's what he didn't say to John that really stands out to me. This is, this is you're going to love this, Pastor Jake, because this, you love the Bible. Watch what happens here. Luke chapter 4, Jesus says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to uh, Proclaim liberty to the captives, restore sight to the blind, and liberty to those who are oppressed. And Jesus says, the poor have received their good news, the dead have been raised, the blind have received sight. But he said something in Luke 4 that's not in Matthew 11. He said something about his mission that he doesn't tell John. And it's this, liberty to the captive. And I'm saying, God, where is that? Where's the liberty part? Where's the freedom part? You think of what John is experiencing in prison. He's saying, I heard the announcement. I heard your mission. I thought we were partnering together to do this. I heard what you've been up to. But Jesus, you said liberty to the captives, and now I'm in prison. So where's the help? And Jesus says this. He says, get the message back to John that I'm doing everything except the way you thought I was going to do it. He says, I'm doing everything you thought I was going to do except meeting your expectations. This is so important we understand today because there is a bigger purpose than what we think about God. We can't allow exclamation points to turn into question marks. And when life doesn't meet our expectations, this is where we have to learn the second grammar point. Number two, don't put a period where God puts a comma. Don't put a period where God puts a comma. I want to tell you today, it's never done until God says it's done. No matter how hopeless your circumstance might be today, I want to tell you, God always has the final word. He always has the final word. Now, there are moments in our life where God does put a period. And when God says it's finished, it's finished, full stop. We could try and hold on to it, but when God says it's done, that thing is done. But there are, I think, the greater temptation for many of us is to try and put a period where God says, I'm not finished. This is just a comma. We say, God, this isn't what I expected. This is too difficult. This isn't what I signed up for, so I'm done. That's it. I'm out. And God says, I haven't finished writing your story. 
even the way this story of John the Baptist ends, it'd be so much better of a story for him to, the angel of the Lord to show up and him to break out of prison and everybody shouts and thousands of people get saved and we could all leave here feeling so happy and go to brunch afterwards. And it would be this awesome story, but that's not the way that it ends. The way this story ends is John never does make it out of prison. In fact, his head is served on a silver platter by a psychotic king. It's not the story that we would write, not the story that we would expect, but there's something deeper than John making it out. And this is the part of the message I want to preach home and get into your heart today. It's the principle of John, First uh, Peter chapter 1. Peter writes, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter writes to the church and he says, rejoice in your trial so that your faith will result in praise. The Bible says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I don't know about you, but I'm not really looking at my trial looking for joy. But this is the hope and the faith that we have as the people of God, because it says rejoicing in trials because of the faith we have so that we will result in praise. There are blessings in trial. There are blessings in uncertainty. There are blessings in doubt and seasons of disappointment and seasons of discouragement. Dare I say there are even blessings in pain. And I know it's not the word that we want to hear or even the word that we're going to get all razzed up and excited about it. But you know what I've learned in my life? Oftentimes the way that God will build my faith is through disappointment. The problem is that's the same tool the enemy will also use to try and destroy my faith. But it matters what we do with it. As Raquel even said, stories where you feel like this is the thing that's going to cause me to turn my back on God. But it's not a period. It's a comma. That's not the very end of my story. This is where the way that God will even begin to build our faith because in difficulty or a trial or prison or disappointment, don't turn God's commas into periods. Many of us think when we go through difficulty, how can I get out of this? Or when am I going to make it through this? But you know what? That's the wrong question. It's not about how you can get out. It's that God always has a way in. We can read through stories of the Bible. Daniel was in a lion's den. Joseph was sold into slavery. The Hebrew boys were sent into the fire. Paul was in prison. Even Jesus was on a cross. But in every single one of these moments, it was a comma. God always had the last word. In every one of these moments, hear me today, this isn't just some Dr. Seuss grammar lesson. This is a theological framework of the way that God will build our faith. God always has the final word. He always has one more move. He always will have the last say. And I'm not telling you today that it's always going to be good. I'm not even saying that God will never give you more than you can handle because it's not true. What I am saying is it's not done. What I am telling you today is if it's not good, God's not finished writing your story. He's not finished writing your story. Even when it seems hopeless, when you think it might be over, God says, comma, there's, one, there's more in store. We feel like, God, this, I, I can't take anymore. He says, comma. 
even in the moments of difficulty, he will use to build our faith to lead us into a place of testimony. You've heard it said, if you're, if, if you're not dead, God's not done. We sang that little cute song to begin with at the beginning. If I'm not dead. The problem with that song, I don't even like that song because this is, the, I love our worship team. This is not a dig on them. Okay, guys, just relax. But the problem is even in death, God's not done. Even in death is not the end for the Christian, for Jesus has overcome the grave. There is more to the story. And just when it seems like it, can you imagine that Easter Sunday when the devil had his arms folded, thinking that he was defeated? Jesus still had one more move. For Christ has overcome the grave, and this is the hope that we have as the people of God. Even when it seems like there is no way out, even in death, there is one more move. Come on, take a praise break and celebrate Jesus today. See, this is the case. Faith, faith is the filter in which we embrace the fights of life. Go through difficulty. It's the, the faith perspective that we have. This is what I think makes, if I could say it plainly, this is what makes Christianity so awesome. Because it gives us a faith and a trust in God's power that even the negative circumstances in my life still have the potential for great purpose. And that's what I want to say to you today. God might be trying to speak to you today, but I want you to hear his grammar. Just when it seems like it's done, don't put a period there because if it's not good, he's not done. He still is working. Faith isn't just the ability to endure hardship. It's the ability to see the glory on the other side. That's what faith gives to us. Here's where we close today. I just want to build your faith before we pray. Whatever it is that you're facing, I don't know what you walked in here with. I'm preaching today to so many different circumstances. But a room this size, people are faced with difficulty and discouragement and depression and thinking, God, this is the last, this is the end. It seems hopeless. There, there is no more. I want to build your faith today in the God that we serve, in his power, in his wisdom, in his ability to continue to write your story. I'm, I'm telling you today, you don't have to live in suspense whether you will see his goodness. You don't have to live in uncertainty, whether, wondering whether God is with you, whether he is for you. No matter what situation of life you're faced with, the Bible says that we know all things work together for the good of those who loved him and are called according to his purpose, which means I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know what God's going to do, but faith tells me that God is going to make it good, even when it's not good. The Bible says that even the things the enemy meant for evil, God is turning around to use for my good. The Bible says that I can be sure of this, that he who began a good work in me will see it through to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. The Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of my story. He knows the very ending, even if it doesn't make sense to me. And the Bible says that he is able to do far more abundantly all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. So what if it's all true? With what you're faced with today, I want to speak it to your situation. What if God can do more than you thought? What if God's work is being accomplished even greater than you could ever 
imagine? What if even in the moments that seem hopeless and there's no way they can be used for good, God can redeem them and restore them and turn it around as a cause for blessing and for joy and for worship and for celebration? I'm telling you today that God is trustworthy. You know, I can remember as a young person being in high school and there was this song that my mom would listen to many times over and over and over in the car. And it's just funny to think now at my age to begin to look back on really moments that seemed inconsequential, but songs even that kind of discipled me. I remember my mom driving in the car and she would listen to this old song by Rita Springer that said, it's gonna be worth it. The song said, even in my pain, he's using it to pull me closer. And when we stand before the throne of grace one day, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth every bit of discouragement, every bit of doubt, every bit of pain. I want to say it by the Spirit of God to you today. It's going to be worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it to trust in Jesus. Every bit of pain that we may feel, the Lord is with you. And I want to help you to understand the way that he's speaking to you, even in these moments, to learn God's grammar. Because as I'm preaching today, the Holy Spirit is also preaching today. He's speaking to your heart. I want you to help, help you to understand God's grammar. Some of you feels like you're on the edge of tears. You can't even breathe because it feels like God is speaking directly to you. Your situation, you maybe came in here as a last ditch effort to try and say, God, this is it. God's speaking to you today. He's with you. He hasn't forgotten about you or abandoned you. God never forgets the promises he makes to you. That he's working it out. He still has one more move. There's joy on the other side. There's glory on the other side. It's worth it to trust in Jesus. John said, are you the one? I just need to know. I want to tell you today. Maybe that's your question this morning. Maybe you've allowed your circumstances to shape your view of God. Maybe you're here today. What were once exclamation points for you, things that you were so certain on, you've allowed circumstances in your life to turn those into question marks. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you've already placed a period. You've given up before God said he's through. You've thrown in the towel. You said, that's it. I want to remind you today, until God says it's done, there's still another play. He's still with us. He's still able to turn it around for good. We're speaking the language of faith. There is no replacement for faith in God's kingdom because that's the language he speaks. Faith, it's the ability to Believe in advance what only makes sense in reverse. I'm telling you today, don't lose faith. Don't lose heart. God is trustworthy. He is faithful and he is good. Exclamation point. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet today as we close. I want to give people that opportunity. God is speaking to you the language of faith. So the question is, are you hearing what he's speaking? You might be here today, questioning, doubting, ready to give up, 
really simply, here's my invitation to you. Are you ready? Will you respond today in faith to fully trust yourself to him again, to fully commit your circumstance to him again? Moments you feel like you're in prison, bondage, questioning. Will you trust that God is writing your story? You're here this morning, you say, Pastor, you've been speaking to me. I feel the Holy Spirit. There's something going on in my heart that I wanna respond today in faith. It doesn't look like it now. It seems uncertain, but I'm trusting that God is true, that God's word is true, that there is another, uh, something on the other side of this that God is saying, it's just a comma. There's a testimony still being written. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around just for sake of privacy. You're here today. You say, I want to respond in faith. It's just this journey of becoming a Christian. Jesus said, if anyone wants to enter the kingdom of heaven, he must be born again. It just looks like this, to say on the inside of me, A, to admit that I'm a sinner, that on the inside of me, there's something broken. By myself, I can't fix it. I've been trying to do it my way and it doesn't work because there's a translation issue. <laughs> it's called sin. We admit that we're a sinner. B is to believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God and he is the Lord of my life. To say Jesus is really who he said he was. And C is to confess with our mouth. It's just what, we, what we're gonna do here in a moment is that we gather together in prayer is to make this not only the declaration of our hearts, but the declaration of our mouth today. To say, God, I'm surrendering my life. I'm fully committing to you and to your way. Many people here today may be experiencing great difficulty, great trial. I can't imagine walking through that without the hope of Jesus. And it's available for you today. It's possible to have hope. It's possible to rejoice in trial. It's called having a relationship with Jesus. If you're here today, you feel God speaking to you and you wanna to respond to his invitation in faith, Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Nobody looking around. I just want you to shoot your hand up as high as you can so I can see who it is that I'm praying for. You say, Pastor, when you pray, please pray for me. There's one, there's two, there's three, there's four, there's five, there's six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 in the back, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39. Incredible. 39 people. Church, let's pray this together. Everybody pray this after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to. And I believe you rose again to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you. Help me to trust in you. And let's make this our confession. Say, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is my home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate each of those people. Incredible. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.